You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. Our reading today is entitled Self-Portrait by David White. It doesn't interest me if there is one God or many gods. I want to know if you belong or feel abandoned. If you know despair or can see it in others. I want to know if you are prepared to live in the world with its harsh need to change you. If you can look back with firm eyes saying, this is where I stand. I want to know if you know how to melt into that fierce heat of living, falling towards the center of your longing. I want to know if you are willing to live day by day with the consequence of love and the bitter, unwanted passion of your sure defeat. I have been told in that fierce embrace, even the gods speak of God. Again, that was Self-Portrait by David White. Go ahead and kindle this first flame of Advent, according to our children in the spirit of purple and patience. (laughs) There we go. When I first learned about neutrinos, who knows about neutrinos? Cool, there we go, good, good, good. I was in a philosophy class. It was one of those classes that mixed up science and philosophy in the most bewildering and wonderful way. Sure, I had learned about them before in science classes, physics, high school, whatever. But it was in that class where I fell in love with, well, something that really can't love me in return. Neutrinos are fascinating. They're a fundamental particle, meaning they cannot be broken down any further. But here's where it gets really cool. They're the most abundant in nature. And right now, right now, right now, second, 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 right now, roughly a thousand trillion of them are flying through your body every single second. Did you feel that? (laughs) They're difficult, but not impossible to catch, or in other words, study. They weigh almost nothing. They travel almost at the speed of light. No experiments to date have been successful in accurately measuring them. They're diverse, created in myriad ways. The explosion of stars, particle decays, our own nuclear reactors here on Earth, 
the life of a star just simply radiating. And they're mysterious. No one really knows much about them. When I learned all of this about something as small as a neutrino particle, I was blown away. It was a religious experience for me. Spiritual amazement in that moment. And this morning, I'm thinking of those moments in my life when I've had that amazement, not just then, but in other times. The amazement I felt climbing a peak in Glacier National Park and seeing the beauty of ancient mountains. The amazement I saw in the hills of Cappadocia, seeing pilgrims bathe themselves in sacred water to honor the life of Rumi. The amazement week after week as a minister, how we make this experiment of Unitarian Universalism work amidst our diversity of belief. And so many other things. Sometimes life just strikes you and you're amazed and you feel spiritual, religious, connected, whatever you want to call it. So what amazes you? What leaves you breathless? What, if anything, has radically changed your life for the better, out of nowhere? Or in the very least, changed how you think, feel, or approach the world? Ask yourself these questions. Right now, December is here. It'd be great if you asked them all year, but in this season of hectic holidays, where there are gifts to buy, decorations to put up, expectations to fulfill, the emotions of joy and sorrow that come with winter and all the festivals of light and everything I've left out. The month of December in our culture is a lot. A lot of everything. And if we let it happen, we'll blink. And it'll be there, January, the new year. I look to our Christian friends this time of year as the season of Advent unfolds. Advent being the start of the Christian liturgical year, it's a season of darkness that culminates in dazzling light. But I'm continually reminded of the words of the poet Henry Vaughan. These are perhaps words I carry with me into all things. Even at my angriest, saddest, or most downtrodden, these words rise up to meet my life, and yes, they rise up to meet it in the warmth of summer, too. He writes, there is in God, some say, a deep but dazzling darkness. There's no commentary on whether darkness is good or bad. It's simply deep and dazzling. And for me, the word God mostly points to this reality this seamless reality we are part of, even then there's a deep and dazzling darkness. As Advent unfolds, Unitarian Universalists don't often pause to acknowledge it, but I would ask that you do, if only to acknowledge the vast and wide darkness around us, the setting of the sun, the wars across the ocean, the strife in our own community, the turmoil within our hearts and minds, but also maybe acknowledge the safety of the dark, the embrace of it, how good it is and can be, the dazzling nature of it, finding your way in life. The season of Advent is an invitation to slow down. 
Which is funny because everything else around us is barreling toward the holidays. But no, slow down. Rest in the night. Let it surround you. Let things emerge from the darkness, things that frighten you, perhaps things you welcome, things that dazzle you. So on this first Sunday of Advent, in this month of mystery and wonder, what amazes you? What dazzles you? What gives you hope on the longest of nights? We Unitarian Universalists are people that welcome a variety of answers to those questions. There are a few wrong answers to it. In our communities, we only ask that how you approach spirituality is that it be life-giving for, those, for you and those around you. But I'm really curious here, thinking about what amazes you and dazzles you and inspires you, or in other words, what is your source of spirituality and connection? I have another question for you. How many of you regularly think about the eight principles of Unitarian Universalism as your source of spirituality? There's no judgment here. It's not a test. <laughs> this will not be used in any way. <laughs> Another question. Who regularly contemplates the six sources of Unitarian Universalism? Who needs a reminder of what the six sources are? <laughs> I ask you these questions with no underlying motive, no shame. No, do not rush out to memorize the eight principles or the six sources, please don't. But as a part of our community, you should at least get a sense, a sense of what they're about. They are, as we say, our shared values, our principles, our sources. They're what unites us amidst the diversity of belief in this room. The principles offer a shared vision of a world we hope to inhabit one day and a world we can be a part of creating by our own living. And the sources though, the sources are an invitation into a deep and dazzling darkness. And here's what I mean by this. In many religious and spiritual communities, you're given what you should believe. You're given a creed, you're given a litany, a catechism. And yes, some of our friends who have creeds and catechisms like the Episcopalians say those documents are invitations into mystery and that's beautiful. That's beautiful, but we know what I'm talking about. The traditions in our world where it's all so literal, unbending. On one hand, people are given the comfort of having a way of life and belief all laid out. And on the other, there are the trappings of literalism that are not at all helpful to our world. There's lines in the sand, the demonization of difference and so on. In Unitarian Universalism, we don't have that. Yes, we fall into the same traps as human beings do. We draw lines in the sand, but our tradition itself leaves significant amount to the individual and the community to figure out. It can sound a little overwhelming, but it somehow works. We feel our way along in the dark together and we make it happen. We figure it out. Now, I have no illusions that in the world of spirituality and religion, certainty is what people most often prefer. So I'm grateful to each and every one of you. Grateful you chose another path. 
Because I believe a vast, expansive, deep, dazzling, dark, and light all at once, I believe a spirituality like that is wondrous. Such a path gets us intimately in tune with ourselves, but it also allows us to engage difference in others meaningfully. Now, we don't just throw all of us out there into the wilderness on our own here, right? It can feel like that, but we don't. We have the tools for the journey, and they are what we call the six sources of Unitarian Universalism. And as of today, the six sources are, here's your refresher here. You don't have to write it down. We affirm and promote direct experience of transcending mystery and wonder. Mm, that's a good one. Words and deeds of prophetic people, all people. Wisdom from the world's religions. Jewish and Christian teachings. Humanist teachings which counsel us to heed the guidance of reason and science. Spiritual teachings of earth-centered traditions. Got all that? <laughs> Those are the shortened versions of each, right? But they cover quite a lot. But they also leave out some big things. We'll get to that. I love the six sources. I perhaps love them more than the principles. I love that I am given freedom to be a Unitarian Universalist in ways that are different than you, or you, or you, or you, all of you. And yet at the end of the day, in the midst of the diversity of what we are inspired by, we're still Unitarian Universalists. And yet there is still so much more that's not there. You could shoehorn it into one of the current sources, yes. But I would personally love to see art, music, dance, and yes, Unitarian Universalism itself as a source of our faith. I'd love to see the diversity and depth of how we find our way in life expressed. Many of you know that our wider Unitarian Universalist Association is in the midst of proposing changes to our principles and yes, our sources too. Now it's called Article 2, and if you're wondering why it's called Article 2 in the first place, it's because that's the name of the bylaw that the Unitarian Universalist Association, where our principles and sources are located. It's all very insider baseball. But one of the biggest changes, the biggest changes I struggle with in these proposed changes here is that our six sources will no longer be a list of nice little bullet points. Instead, we'll have a paragraph that goes like this. Direct experiences of transcending mystery and wonder are primary sources of Unitarian Universalist inspiration. These experiences open our heart, renew our spirits, and transform our lives. We draw upon and are inspired by sacred, secular, and scientific understandings that help make us make meaning and live into our values. These sources ground us and sustain us in ordinary, difficult, and joyous times. We respect the histories, contexts, and cultures in which these sources were created and are currently practiced. Grateful for the experiences that move us, aware of the religious ancestries we inherit, and enlivened by the diversity which enriches our faith, we are called to ever deepen and expand our wisdom. It's not bad. I think it covers the heart of who we are. It's less of a list, it's less descriptive, but still it covers the major parts. But beyond that, it got me wondering. And based on how many of you raised your hands earlier, <laughs> when I asked about the six sources, this question isn't completely unfounded. 
What are our sources of faith as a congregation here in Lexington, Kentucky? Have we asked that? Maybe not in a long time. I can tell you it's far more than just six. What helps all of us as a community navigate the deep and dazzling darkness as much as the refulgent light? What do we individually bring here? And how can we use those inspirations to enrich this place? Because here's the thing. I love lists, right? I didn't, I don't like them as much as I, when I first got out of seminary, but a good list, it makes my heart sing. <laughs> should see the post-it notes at home. But we don't need a list of sources from our association to still do what we do best as Unitarian Universalists, to bring our diversity of belief and inspiration into the life of this congregation day after day. I would say we've always had that freedom. It was the freedom of the early Unitarians who defied orthodoxy because they had a direct experience of transcending mystery and wonder. It was the freedom of the transcendentalists to ask the question, why can't we have our own original relation to the universe? It's the freedom of ages past and right now. The word heretic means to, to believe differently. I am a heretic. I proudly proclaim, and I hope you will too. It's in our history and it's right here, right now. Nothing can stop us from sharing what is life-giving and affirming in our community. And I honestly want to know how you believe differently. I want to know what amazes you, what leaves you breathless, what sustains you in difficult times. That is so much bigger than any list or any words. What brings you lasting joy and hope? I want to know what our sources together as a congregation are. The great rabbi and scholar Abraham Joshua Heschel once wrote, our goal should be to live a life in radical amazement. Get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual is to be amazed. hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org, where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.